You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. This episode is brought to you by Paramount Plus. Get in, loser! Mean Girls is now streaming on Paramount Plus. Join Katie Heron as she meets the plastics and Tina Fey's new twist on the modern classic. Get ready for more of the rumors, backstabbing, and jokes you loved from the original movie with some fetch surprises. Rated PG 13. Wear pink and head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Audition side job, swimming upstream. Believe it or not, you're living the dream. Hey everybody, Rory O'Malley here. How's it going? Welcome to Living the Dream. Thanks for listening. I have taken a couple of weeks off during the holiday schedule. The Broadway holiday schedule is pretty crazy and intense, and so I didn't have any time to talk with friends uh, on the podcast for the last couple of weeks. But I'm back, and I have a great guest, Lauren Molina, who you all know from Broadway in Sweeney Todd. Uh, with Patti Lapone and also in Rock of Ages. And she and I were in a show together at Second Stage back in 2013 called Nobody Loves You. And I just really think she's amazing. She's just always proactive on, uh, on her career, her life, and she's a real go-getter. Um, and so I'm just always impressed by that. I'm always impressed by... Artists who don't wait around for somebody to give them the work, they make the work themselves. She, uh, with her good friend Nick, started a band called The Skivvies. And The Skivvies are amazing. If you haven't seen them live or checked out their YouTube channel, you need to. They take a lot of pop songs and strip them down to the basics uh a lot of Broadway stars have been a part of their shows. I got to do one of their shows once a few years ago. They're such good musicians, so much fun, and yes, they are performing in their underwear, which is definitely just gets people in the door, gets people to pay attention, and it goes along with the fact that they're stripping down songs to their basic uh, core. It's a big week. For me, we announced that I'm going to be joining the national tour of Hamilton. We're opening in San Francisco. We'll be there for five months, then Los Angeles for five months. Uh, I've never spent much time in San Francisco, so that's going to be amazing. And then, of course, Gerald and I live in Los Angeles, so it'll be nice to be with my husband again. (laughs) We've been talking about this for a long time and made the decision months ago. So it's so exciting that it's actually happening that all the things that we've talked about and thought about uh and next year is starting or next year is this year (laughs) next year 2017 is now here it is next year and I'm just so excited to of course be with Gerald again but also to bring this show into two cities that are going to be so excited to see it and I've gotten to be a part of Hamilton 
in so many cool moments, like going to the Tonys and and being a part of it throughout so many exciting situations, but I haven't opened the show. And to get to open it in San Francisco and Los Angeles will be really thrilling, Los Angeles in particular, because Los Angeles is a theater town to me. It's where I got my equity card years ago. It is a home to Gary Marshall's theater, The Falcon, where I got my start, and to the Troubadour Theater Company, which is um, the first theater company that I was in right out of college. So to get to come back to Los Angeles and do a really cool production of, of something is it's a real full circle moment for me. So I'm really looking forward to next year because next year is here. Um, yeah, so this is uh, Lauren Molina, who is amazing, and she's very honest, funny, and cool, and I hope you enjoy our conversation. Fordham? No. Hi, Fordham. It's okay. No. Fordham is a cat. This is one yes. of your rescue cats. Yes, we rescued him at four weeks old, and we fell in Aww. love with him because he's such a lover and so affectionate. He's beautiful. He's like a dog cat. He kind of is. That's why I was like, when he jumped up on me and was, it was like, hi, hi, I was like, what cat wants the stranger's attention. Well, right. Well, I was never a cat person. I was always a dog person. And then Rob really wanted a furry creature. And I was like, okay, well, the only way we'll get a cat is if we foster kittens and right. then choose one that we like the personality of. I see. So That's how it all started. That's how it all started. And so <laughs> um, so basically the first, um, the first litter of kittens we got was actually a mother and her babies. And they were like three days old and we got it and it was a big undertaking for a first thing. We could have just like taken a, li- taken a couple kittens that didn't have a mom, but right. anyway, I was really excited about it and it was very emotional. Five, we, she came, the mother came with five kittens, two of them died within the first two weeks and that's mm. very, very common, but we had no idea. Yeah. And, um, and so, you know, we started rescuing kittens and fostering kittens, and we've just become addicted to it. Yeah. Yeah, we love... You've, got, you've gotten a lot of cats' homes. Yes. Oh, my gosh. Well, you know, with your connections on social media, right. and you just, like, put up some cute pictures of kittens, and then people are like, I want to meet that right. kitten. So I would say about 70% of the kittens we've fostered have gone to connections on social media. Wow. Um, you know, dressers at Kinky Boots, actors, yeah. and everything from Bright Star to, I, oh, <laughs> there he is, yeah. Fordham, Fordham says, me next. Yeah. Hey, bud, come here. Sometimes, Lots. sometimes he wants, uh, he wants attention or wants to go outside in the hallway. Oh, Fordham is a black cat, like black. He looks like a panther. Yeah. He's beautiful. Yeah. He's a yeah, good, boy. good guy. We have lots of lots of animals on the podcast. Oh yeah? Oh yeah. Lots of people's dogs, Stephanie J. Blocks, Gavin's oh, sure. Wally. Mm-hmm. Everyone's heard a lot of animals in the background. Now Fordham. <laughs> now sweet Fordham. So we're here at your apartment. Thanks for having me over here in your New York City abode. Such a pleasure. Um, and thanks for talking with me. Uh, Lauren and I worked together in 2013 on Nobody Loves You. Yes, a reality show parody, um, or satire, I guess you could say, right. where um, it, it was like a parody of not just reality shows, but specifically dating shows. Yeah. 
and um, and how what is what is real, what is not real, and 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 which one of these people will become our next president? Right, exactly. I, you know, who knew that reality TV would change the course of the country. And even in 2013, we had no idea. Yeah, and we were saying, we have to get this musical made, because I actually started working on the, the readings of that show in 2007. Wow. And we were like, we have to get this made, because reality show, reality television is going to go. Yeah, it'll fade away. It'll fade away. In, But oh, au contraire. Oh, no. Yeah, it's now... It's taken over. Bigger than ever. And I will say, though, that written... Scripted television has taken on a new life. Yeah. I think in the past few years, absolutely. And we do have a lot of wonderful, uh, wonderful, you know, programming. And um, I've heard that people think that now is like the new, the new golden age yeah. of TV. There's so many great things, but you know, for a while there, it was really depressing. Yeah, and, uh, I, I think that now that there's, there's like different access to great TV through Netflix and. HBO, but it's really kind. It probably is because reality TV took over so much of network, and people were just like, "I don't even want to turn it on." Right. So, although people do turn it on, maybe we don't. Maybe we don't. um, But yes, it is highly popular still. And um, what makes me depressed is is how people think that it is real, right? And everything is staged. Everything. And um, it's really depressing. I mean, even. Uh, Nick and I of the Skivvies, Nick Searley and I, um, we shot three different pilots for reality television shows. And, oh, really? And uh, yeah, we were asked to as be the part, Skivvies. As the Skivvies, yes. Wow. Um, and one specifically, it was called "About to Break." It didn't get picked up, but it was going to follow all these different artists and different, you know, professions. Right. In New York City, and you know, they're at a certain level of success, and what's going to take them to the next level? Right. And I mean, even what we shot for the um, for the pilot was just like so staged and yeah. fakey. And you know, I made a joke in one take, and they were like, "That's great, that's great. We're gonna do say that same joke again from this angle." And it's like nothing is, is off the cuff. It's really yeah, it's yeah. crazy. Even with like The Voice or America's Got Talent, another mm-hmm. show that Nick and I went on that we were. Right. Um, we were basically told you can't say anything about being on the show because it's all controlled by them and yeah. top secret. But um, but everything, they know from the start who is going to be X'd off, who is going to remain, right. who is going to win. So yeah. it's, you know, people don't realize that in, no. the, in the real world. It's so funny how people don't see that like that they really do buy into it as being like well this person's being real this fight that in this the person same way that, that they believe donald trump is a successful businessman right anyway anyway we'll avoid that topic because it'll take the whole time um but yes we met in, we 2013, met in 2013 back doing... when reality tv was just a joke not <laughs> the actual destruction of the country. Um, um, yeah, and we became fast friends. Yes. And um, yeah, man, it was it was a great little show off Broadway at Second Stage. And um, yeah, right. yeah. But Sorry. you, you, um, where did you grow up? I grew up in, in Detroit. Detroit, right? Yeah. I'm a Cleveland guy. Right. We have the Midwest. Midwest, yeah. And uh, yeah, I grew up in a family of musicians, dancers. And artsy, artsy. Right. So I always 
was very academic and thought, you know, I would never go into theater. But I was, you know, taking piano when I was four years old. I right. learned the cello when I was eight. And, you know, it was I was constantly around music. But, you know, I just thought I wouldn't do it as a profession because, yeah. I, you know, I just sort of lived it. Yeah. And then I got to college. Um, I went to the University of Michigan. And funny, it was my safety school. I really wanted to go to Yale or right. Brown or right. Columbia. I set my, um, oh my gosh, Fordham has just crawled up into, oh a, my God. into a high, high cabinet Fordham, shelf. Fordham really is upset that he's not getting the attention right now. Right, he knows and so he wants to knock down some treats or something in order he's to get some food. literally straddling the refrigerator and a shelf above it. Yep, that's right. Anyway, but back to, back to this. Um, if you hear a crash, that's what <laughs> That's what happened. For um, but uh, where was I? You, um, were, you were surrounded by music and you yeah, wanted it. It was your safety school. It was my safety school. That's right. Um, but after being at Michigan for a year just doing liberal arts, uh-huh. um, I was like, uh, I'm, I really am into, I'm really into singing. I really want to follow my, my passion. Um, music and theater it just came so naturally to me and um was just in my blood and uh so I auditioned for um the music school and I got in as a voice major for my sophomore year and then realized after taking all the first year requirements that I wanted to mostly sing in English even though I love speaking in other languages I just wanted that immediacy of musical theater rather than opera and the people that were on the opera path it just took so long, and um, it, I have a lot of patience for certain things. But I just really wanted to, you know, get my get my degree and and study theater and study, um, you know, acting and singing. Yeah. And you know, I I was really into the more um, edgy kinds of um, musical theater at that time yeah. too. Gritty. You know? and, yes. Yeah. Gritty and raw and. Yeah. Um, so anyway, that's that's his, that's the history. I transferred into the musical theater program my third wow. year. That's pretty rare. Yeah, it is, and it's also a very hard program to get into. So yeah. I was a transfer technically, but but yeah, now there's like people call it the Michigan Mafia because yeah. of all of the Michigan theater musical theater graduates yeah. um, that are all over Broadway. Yeah, um, but yeah, it's a great twist of fate to go there and get into the. Musical theater program. So you graduated and did you move to New York immediately? Yep. Yep. You know, and did the whole senior showcase thing where you perform with your graduating class and you're given a couple songs. And um, then from that, in the audience, there's casting directors and agents that um, can show, if you, if they're interested in you, you can set up a meeting. And um, from that, I got an agent and um, my first theater gig was um, a national tour of the Just So Stories with Theater Works USA. Got my equity card, um, doing children's theater. Wonderful. Driving a van across the country. I've heard a lot about the Theater Works van. Performing in the the grandest cafetoriums of the land. (laughs) Cafetoriums. And that's where I met Nick Searley of um, the other half of the Skivvies. Oh, I didn't realize that. Yeah, so in 2003. Wow. So you hit the ground running with working. I mean, you, you know, that's a, that's not easy doing the van thing and going around to cafetoriums. But 
you're working. You're working. Yeah. It's, I mean, it's a great first gig. I highly recommend it to people. Yeah. And um, I know that the climate is a little different for choosing to get your equity card right away these days because there are opportunities, there are tons of opportunities for non-equity. But um, in 2003, it was what I wanted to do and what was, what felt right to do immediately. And um, it really led to a lot of, uh, you know, great things for me, doors opening. So after that, did you go into, was it right away into a next job or did you have time? What was the first time you hit the brick wall, I guess is what I'm asking, because everyone does at some point where you're like, oh, I don't have a job. I don't have the first, I don't know where to show up to today. Yeah, yeah. Well, okay. So my first brick wall was actually before the Theater Works Tour, where, um, so I I auditioned at the end of college um, for a cruise ship gig, Uh and I found out um, several months later, if you hear crunching in the background, that's Fordham eating eating Fordham is like not going (laughs) to let us. He's going to be present. Yeah. But we love you, Fordham. Eat Um, away. But, uh, so I auditioned for this cruise ship, I booked it, and, um, they were like, uh, we are, we have to fly you to LA to re- rehearse before putting you on the ship. Right. And um, they, uh, so they, I had to like figure out my life in New York and pack up my stuff and sublet my place kind of thing. And I had a car with me, but um, I wanted to leave it with my family in Detroit. So, um, because, you know, I was going to be gone for nine months. I didn't want to just pay for parking in New York City. Right. So I had planned to drive it back to Detroit, and then um, the company, the cruise company, was going to fly me from Detroit to L.A. Well, a week before my um, my flight, my car was stolen. <gasps> so I call up the company, which was non-equity, and I was like, um, so this, this tragedy happened to me. My car was stolen. So can you please change my flight? And they're like, no, sorry, you're going to have to take care of it yourself. And I was like, really? But I, but, but, and they're like, no, sorry, you have to get your flight changed yourself, pay for the flight difference. So, so I did that. And then I was flown out to LA. I rehearsed for two weeks and then I get called, um, by the, you know, HR person. We're going to need to see you, uh, describe your stuff. Oh my God. <laughs> and they said, um, you're doing great work in rehearsals. We love you. We love your voice. We, you know, your your dancing's great. But um, the girl that you were going to replace on the cruise ship just last minute decided to extend her contract. She has a boyfriend on the ship, so you're fired. And I'm like, but I, but, and, you know, there's no severance because it's not equity. You're not covered. Right. So, so I was flown back to Detroit, which was the point of origin. Right. And, um... And then two weeks later, I found out, I get a call saying, um, good news, the girl who originally was cast in the Just So Stories booked a Broadway show and you're next on their list. So that was like, oh, okay. <laughs> right. Phew. So um, I guess like, not it's not necessarily hitting the brick wall, but it's just getting a taste of gross show business. Right. Right away. Right. Um, but yeah, so then after, after the Gesso stories, I came back and I did a York, um, theater musicals in Mufti where it's, you know, kind of, it was Henry Sweet Henry and everyone's on book, but you know, a few months passed, uh, where I was looking, I was doing temp work and Mm. I got a, 
I got a job working as an assistant to um, an accountant at a high-end diamond jewelry company through a temp agency. Wow. It's crazy, yeah. And um, and I sort of was like, I'm going to let, you know, just let things kind of unfold and see where things take take me. Um, is, that, would, is that is that what your attitude was? Like, I'll just see how things unfold. Like, you weren't too stressed or you were like, what was your state of mind? Yeah, I was never really stressed when I first got to the city. And I will also say that is partly because I didn't have the stress of, I was hashtag blessed. I didn't have the stress of paying for an apartment at that time because okay. I was staying um, at my grandmother's uh, in Riverdale. Okay. So not that's, having that's, that huge. financial burden right. was huge. And yeah. my extra, you know, I was able to save money and... Um, and kind of just get go to auditions when when I could, and the the temp job it wasn't it didn't it wasn't temp for long. I was like, I'll take this job on only on one condition: you have to let me out for auditions. And I worked for it there for three months, mm-hmm. and um, then the audition for Sweeney Todd uh, came around. Wow. So I actually didn't have too many credits, big credits before my first Broadway credit. Right. Um, so how did, so how did that come about? You got uh, the audition and yeah, actually I was, I remember vividly, I was riding a bus back home, uh, from work and Nick Searley called me up who got the breakdowns illegally. And he was like, Lauren, there's a production of Sweeney Todd that's coming to Broadway where the Joanna needs to play the cello. And I said, if I don't book this gig, I'm leaving the business. (laughs) And, um, so I um I went to the open call. I called my agent and um I said I need to be seen for this and she's like all right we'll see what we can do and then you know the open call came along and I hadn't heard from my agent so I was like I'm going to this and I woke up at you know 5 a.m. got in line at 6 a.m. because at that time you know we had to wait in the line to be right. seen yeah. um at the equity building signed my name up for my time Went in, played my cello, sang my song, and um, and uh, then I first uh, the the woman in the room was like, "Okay, great, we're gonna want you to come to a callback," and I was like, "Amazing!" And then later that afternoon, my agent—I have a different agent now—but she called me and she's like, "Lauren, I've got an appointment for you for Sweeney Todd." I was uh, like, uh, "I just got a callback <sighs> for Sweeney Todd on my own. Thank you very much." <laughs> so from that point, she. Uh, she kind of took over right. and then got it on my own. Right, right, right. But um, but yeah, I was I was uh, technically two years out of school before my first Broadway gig. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, which is I did some, really fast. It's really fast. <laughs> I know it's really really fast. And even though I guess I could have said you know I was you know, I felt like I was, I never felt like I was struggling. Um, and maybe that's just because of where I was right when I started. Um, I had a lot of people supporting me, you know, I got the theater works gig, but even in my months of downtime, I just always found things to creatively, um, inspire me. So even if I wasn't, you know, I I wasn't, I was never feeling dire that I was in a Right. You know, well, that's just not you. I mean, I know you now, and I'm you're constantly creating and making things, which we're going to get into. But I can't imagine that you would ever just 
be sitting by a phone waiting for somebody to tell you that you could be creative today, which I think is the most amazing thing about you. And that I think that that is, it, it makes a huge difference in your attitude. Yeah, on absolutely. A lot of things. In this and that, that is like one of my biggest pieces of advice to give to young artists is just keep creating content, constantly challenge yourself, collaborate with friends, um, challenge yourself, keep watching things, keep going to see theater, movies, travel, really just, um, don't, don't think that like your path is going to be so specific. Right. You never know what is going to lead to what, you know, constantly meet people, um, really say yes to as many things as you can, uh, when, when you're able to, um, although, you know, saying yes to everything, certain points is right. Because too much, but I think when you're starting out, it's really about yes. Anding the world. Yes. You, and there are a lot of people who get out of uh, college and don't say yes to cruise ships or theater works or a lot of things. And that is, to me like crazy you say yes to everything you can when it comes to you right away and and and, don't be afraid to ask for things too I think some people are like oh you know I don't know how to you know I want to do this but I don't know how to like ask you never know what people people want in general to help other people right I think people um often young artists are afraid to ask for things and this is actually like a, a with my boyfriend, yeah. even I, uh, that he thinks I'm like brazen sometimes when yeah. I'm bold and I just flat out will ask a, a friend who's a casting director a question or right. you know he's like I can't believe you did that and I'm like well I want I want to know the answer <laughs> like I'm not doing it in a way that I think will I you know I am totally Rob like I your boyfriend Rob who I love and adore who's also uh, an actor who's Rob also Morrison. an actor yeah who was in Nerds with me um, that. I'm a lot more like him, and I know because I've seen you do things. Where I'm like, wow! <laughs> and I know, wish I was, you know, you had know, the courage. That I mean, I know that that's part of my personality too. I'm very confident and, and bold in a lot of things, and you have to have tact, of course. Yeah, and you have to have humility and modesty and all for of those, sure. you know, good things. But, um, but I, I think that there's something to be said for, for not being afraid to ask for what you need and would like, right. because it can only help get you to a next level in some way. No, I mean, it's it goes as far as, like, people investing in shows that you're working on. Like, I know that, yeah. you know, <laughs> it's like... true. Yeah. I know. The show that we did, yeah. actually, I, um, I... So, like, the second stage show, um, Nobody Loves You, that we did, uh, I worked on at the Old Globe um, previous the previous year, and... Um, and I loved it so much, and I thought it had such potential that I reached out to a few producers and said, hey, here's the review yeah. that came out. Here are some of the reviews. I really think that this has potential to be an amazing show. Um, and I sent it to a whole bunch of different producers. Right. And, um, you know, nobody asked me to do that. No, none of the creative team asked me to do that. Yeah. And, um, and then... That was the reason it went to second stage. Yeah. Is that we bought, we got one of we got a couple of the producers yeah. involved. Um, but that's like that's, that's the, the level of, of of you know pursuing what people aren't doing. You know, like it's 
and asking and just not being afraid to put yourself out there or put something else out yeah. there. And granted, I know that like when you're just starting out, you might not have all of the connections, yeah. you know, to ask for whatever. But but like even in the very first stages of like, how do I get an agent? Mm-hmm. Which is like the most daunting. Right horrible question and you know if you didn't get one if you don't have a senior showcase um or if well you or if you do, do like me and you don't get any agent or, or just crickets afterwards right. well i had only like two people interested in me so many of my colleagues classmates you know had so like just yeah. a rolodex just pull it pouring in for them and I'm like cool 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 right, <laughs> you know? right. well um, you only need one you only need one unfortunately I didn't have one so. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah and but what I tell people is just like if uh if you can just ask ask your friends ask reach out to other actors who have agents yeah and because the the truth is you can send your picture and resume to a hundred different agencies and they're probably going to go in the garbage unless there's a connection. Right. So, you know, you, you really have to ask somebody for help to get your foot in the door Mm -hmm. and it's the unfortunate truth, but you know, I love doing that. Yeah. So obviously like you are proactive that I is like, well, I see that in everything you do and I, I think it's inspiring and I don't think that you're, pushy I don't think that you are overconfident I think that you are like no this is this is something that's worth pursuing and I believe in this and I believe in myself and I think it's it's great the whole thing is I I of course have had dry spells in theater Mm -hmm. um you know months will go by where I'll I'll be technically unemployed but Mm -hmm. I'm I'm still creating with my band the skivvies I'm working on other you know shows benefits galas like not just when you're unemployed while you're employed like what like (laughs) i don't know like i think you are absolutely amazing in all all that you pursue all the time i'm i'm i've like had to step up my game being around (laughs) you i was like wow she's got so much happening and i'm just like glad i showed up to rehearsal on time like shooting in in the down moments, shooting web series or, yeah. or sketches. Web series, sketches, skivvies. I was like, I, I fed myself today. I was pretty <laughs> proud of that. But let's go back to you getting into Sweeney Todd uh-huh. and walk through Sweeney Todd and your and your experiences uh, in those, those first two big Broadway shows. So you're in Sweeney Todd. You don't have a lot of experience. And then all of a sudden you're in... In a show with Patti Lapone. Yeah. Um, what What did that feel like? Well, it was completely overwhelming. Um, and I mean, Patty even said on the first day of rehearsal, Lauren, she's like, "It, it. This is the best. It doesn't get any better than this. It's all downhill from here." <laughs> That's literally what she said to me after the end of the day. Uh, at the end of the day, on the first day of rehearsal, and I'm like, "Thanks, Patty." Uh. <laughs> Because it was such a unique production, you yeah. know, all of the, uh, there was no additional pit orchestra, all of the actors were playing instruments, and John Doyle, I mean, we've now seen over the last 10, 11 years, yeah. what he, tw- oh gosh, so that was 2005 that he did 
his first thing in, in New York with Sweeney Todd. So now oh. it's 2017. Wow, yeah. gosh, 12 years ago. Yeah. Um, and we've seen that he does lots of other things besides, you know, the, the actor instrument kind of productions. But that was revolutionary and groundbreaking in so many ways and stripping down all of the excess bullshit just to focus on the storytelling. And people either loved the production or hated it. But, you know, for me, it was just unbelievable to be able to not only communicate through my voice, but to communicate through my instrument. Playing and the to, cello. Yeah, to play the cello, um, you know, having the, the cello be the voice of Joanna, uh, you know, expressing love and in these like long passionate you know bow bow strokes um or or nervousness with a, you know quick tremolo kind of um sounds and um just how much music can communicate emotion right um on this other level and um but working with patty i mean it's it's a riot you you learn so much and michael Cerverus, manuel falciano um my gosh, uh, Donalyn Champlin. Yeah. Really just unbelievable actors. Yeah. Un unbelievable people. Um, also, it, it taught me, I was, I mean, I was so green. I was just like, uh, you know, swept up in the world of it and showmancy kind of things, which we won't go into, but <laughs> it was just Love a good like, showmance. You know, in like secret showmancy kinds of things. And it was so, um, just like such a learning experience for me. Um, so exciting, thrilling. I mean, I remember the very uh, first, what is the, the, the invited dress and Neil Patrick Harris uh, just like popped popped up right after the show backstage and he was like shaking my hand he's like I just want to tell you you have a hit on your hands and I'm like Neil Patrick Harris who are you wait who right. am I to like and then like a couple weeks later David Bowie and Iman came and I'm oh just God. like what is my life right, right now right. I'm creating I just felt so lucky to have chosen the the cello in the fifth grade yeah yeah <laughs> so lucky to have um just been chosen to be a part of this amazing cast and amazing group of people and artists and um, and tell I think what is maybe the best musical yeah I mean it's up there I, I, I agree West Side Story Sweeney Todd yeah I mean it's they're, oh yeah they're up there yeah um, and uh, yeah I, I pinched myself every day um, I had to work really hard, you know, not only was it challenging uh, vocally, but, you know, the, everything is memorized, the instrument playing, the rehearsal process was exhausting, um, but that made it extra worth it when, when we got to the theater and audiences responded in the way they did. Um, but it also, you know, it taught me not only professionalism on an and a new degree, how to treat people, mm -hmm. how to be, um, you know, just be on time, know your shit, re rehearse, you know, like be prepared. Right. Um, because nobody can do, you know, talent, go, talent is whatever it is. Right. There's a lot of talented people. Lots. But if you are a, if you have great work, work ethic and you're a good person mm -hmm. and, uh, and you want to make sure everyone else is taken care of, I think 
then um, people want to work with you that again. That separates you, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. So you have the, the Sweeney Todd uh, experience, the most uh, amazing Sondheim musical with Patti LuPone. Working just like, with Sondheim, too. With Sondheim. I mean, the most musical theater standard experience you could possibly have and right. then your next Broadway experience <laughs> so then, is so, what? Yeah, so I, I did Sweeney Todd for about 10 or 11 months on Broadway. Then I had um, a few months off. I, I think it was like six months downtime um, and before I did the national tour of Sweeney uh. Todd, which was incredible. So fun, um, you know, because... I, the only other tour experience I had was driving a van right. across the country yeah. for small children. Yeah. And, um, you know, we had long sit downs in different cities and, um, it was you know, incredible. Then I, I get back to New York and I'd also, I, I met a boy on the, on the tour who lived in LA and I was uh -huh. like, so smitten. I was like, I'm going to move back to LA with, and with you after this tour ends and I'm going to do the L.A. thing. I'm going to try it. And the L.A. thing. The L.A. thing, you know, um, which I still haven't really ever done. And uh, so I get back to New York, and I'm, I'm, ba I'm back for a week. And my first audition back is for this quirky rock musical called Rock of Ages. And um, I read the script, and it's pretty funny. And I, you know, I love comedy, even though... You know, you, people think of Sweeney Todd as a dark, um, you know, serious show, but it's dark comedy. And mm. it's, and I feel like... Eating people is funny. It's hilarious. <laughs> and with um, with Joanna, I really tried to bring out the humor in her lines as well. I, I'm pretty much a definition of a quirky ingenue. Yeah. I got that. I yeah. Mean, um, I'll be bold. In, not only in my own life, <laughs> yeah. but in my choices. Yes. <laughs> Um, but yeah, so I, I booked Rock of Ages and it was off Broadway, um, at New World Stages. Mm -hmm. And then after three months, they decided that they were going to go for it and get it to Broadway. Right. So it was unbelievable. The fate of all of that, I can't even tell you. I mean, what are the chances? Yeah. And, um... So Rock of Ages went to Broadway, I went to Broadway with it, and so, you know, the juxtaposition of the most poignant, um, transcendent music of Sondheim, yeah. so, you know, cerebral, and yeah. um, also... You're all playing your own clever. instruments. Yes, and... it was high art. Yeah. To go from that to dancing as a stripper, right. and singing um, We're Not Gonna Take It by Twisted Sister, you know... It was fucking awesome. Right. And true comedians, great, great cast. I made some of my li lifelong friends in Rock of Ages. Yeah. And collaborators. Um, you know, we started making web series and, and sketch comedy. And um, I think that experience made me figure out who I really was as an artist. Um, hmm. You know, and also, like, I didn't figure out when I was doing Sweeney Todd, I was still figuring out who my group of friends were and like who my, you know, where, where I sort of lived in the world. Right. Um, in this community here in, this in New community, York. In this community, yeah. 
Um, and I think, I think I didn't feel grounded until I was doing Rock of Ages. And, and that could had, be an age thing, too. Yeah, sure. I mean, you, you know, you, after you leave your nest of your college friends and you're all going out and doing your own thing, you have to kind of start over again. And, and you had such a great group of people in Rock of Ages with Wesley Taylor and Mitch Jarvis, Jarvis who I yeah. went to college with. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah. I mean, those are <clears throat> good guys. And you yeah. guys started creating things immediately yeah. on top of doing We were the literally show. videotaping backstage while the show was going on. We'd right. be like, okay, we have this song to get these three scenes in or whatever. Right. And you could hear it in the you know monitors backstage while watching the... Web yeah. Series. Well, and it's fun. I mean, and I encourage everyone to go watch your web Rock series, of Ages Rock of Ages Productions. Very, very <laughs> funny. And and I think that it's great that a show like Rock of Ages can exist on Broadway, and that it can inspire that kind of fun. And Absurd. it gets people. Yeah, and it's yeah. and it, it's funny because Hamilton isn't exactly that kind of show, but it inspires a lot of people to get involved, and I think that's great. Because some shows are like, no social media, no... I don't know if no. any show, if any other show has achieved that kind of inspiration that Hamilton has achieved. Right. No, it's it's def- but it's, you know, Rock of Ages, I mean, I, I know it wasn't that long ago, but it was the beginning of social media and web right. series and all that. And now it's like... I know. It's part of what we do. Totally. And I think that Lynn really gave permission to social media to come into the Richard Rogers theater and be like, you can be at our show every night because I'm on Snapchat all the time, Lauren, and I don't do Snapchat. I just walk through the backstage and people are like, oh, I saw you on so-and-so Snapchat. You were really funny. I was like, oh, I didn't know I was being broadcast live. Yep. Um, but, you know, it's it's a wonderful way for people who aren't able to come see the show on a daily basis to have access to what's going on there. And it's changed Broadway but I think that you guys in your web series and a lot of stuff that you've done is really brought people into it in the early days of social media in the early days yeah <laughs> yeah like not that long ago it's but it's just, it moves ago, so fast right I know and now it changed it's like things. now people are getting cast just based on how many Twitter followers right. they have right which is not that cool no it's not <laughs> it's not it's a it's another kind of it's another kind of currency that has been added into our business that is very strange. And I mean, I, I it's also why I started doing this is because the social media aspect, which I, I enjoy it and I enjoy being able to talk with people back and forth, but it also feels very sugar-coated and not real because you can't necessarily give a full picture of who you are in 140 characters and nobody really wants to see 140 characters of oh today wasn't so great no listen if (laughs) I if I posted I I am in general an optimistic person and I am I'm always like okay what's what's gonna happen what's what what can we do next but I mean there are so many days where I'm like life fucking sucks like This business sucks. How many auditions am I going to get rejected? I nailed, I crushed that audition. Why am I not booking this? Right. Why am I not at this next level? Why am and and you can constantly compare yourself to people, but what good is that going to do? Right. Like Laura Benanti is one of my dearest friends, and yeah. I think like, huh? Why haven't I achieved? Why haven't I had like four TV shows? Why haven't I right. been the lead of? But like. 
it's just different for different people. And right. so if I did that constant com- com- comparison thing, I would be a miserable person. Yeah. And so you can only say like, well, today I'm here. What can, what can I do to, um, to try to get to the next level? Um, maybe I'm good here today. You mm-hmm. know, I don't need to do anything to, you know, push myself, but I definitely think that, uh, a lot of people, I mean, and it's also, I'm going to change the subject. It's also easy for me to say, I have been on Broadway. Right. I have a successful band. I have great friends, you know, um, I, I know in my relationship, mm-hmm. um, with my, my awesome partner of six years who has not been on Broadway yet, mm-hmm. how frustrating it can be, uh, to not get certain opportunities because a casting director doesn't really know you or care and how, how aggravating it can be when you watch other people just like fly through the door for like pilot auditions after pilot audition. And, you know, and I'm like, what, what are we doing wrong? Like, why am I not achieving that? Um, what do I have to do? Like, do I have to go to these one-on-one classes? Do I have to pay to play? Mm-hmm. You know, and so even at even at my, at my level, um, whatever level that is, right. with a couple Broadway shows, uh, you know, a Helen Hayes Award, yeah. <laughs> you know what? The, just like um, what uh, think you know? I'm trying to like form a good sentence, but. Um, you know, even at my level, it's frustrating, and it's, I, I even, like, know for somebody like Laura, who expresses her frustrations right. on, like, why can't she have this, or right. or that, or whatever, you know, and, um, and how, like, she's compared to somebody who's uber famous right. on TV. Right. You know, it's so. The, it's, it's the trap that is in our business, and that I feel that the way that you survive in this world and in this business is not by being the most talented, not by being the most uh, aggressive, but by being the most grateful. And I know that that's probably a controversial, controversial thing to say, but if, if you, if it's really talking about long term, how you can be in this business for a while, you have to, and everybody has that challenge, you know, like every level, everywhere you are, but you have to figure out how to be grateful while you're waiting on tables because it's not going to be a skill you learn after you win your Oscar. Right. And it's really hard because it's so easy to look at everyone else, compare yourself to them and say, I don't understand why I'm not getting that. I'm putting myself out there. And then everyone who's looking at you Mm -hmm. being in a Broadway show or, you know, going, okay, well, why am I not getting that? Or, you know, it's, it happens at every stage and it's just the way to stay in this business is to just say, I'm really grateful for what I have today, for the fact that I get to be a part of this art form and put myself out there. And that's hard. It's not easy. It's so hard. Like, oh, well, maybe if I looked a certain way, if I looked Mm -hmm. different, you know, then I would have this audition or I would be able to get seen by whatever. Um, Yeah, no, it's it's tough. I 
there is no right answer. I feel like people should only go into the field of acting if there's nothing else yes. that they're capable yeah. of doing. Yeah. Um, and you have to be able to handle rejection constantly. Constantly. So you build a thick skin, mm -hmm. and which is funny because I feel like actors are some of the most sensitive people because they have to have a vulnerability. Have to access and, it. Right. And yet they're chewed up and spit out every day. Right. Yeah. No, it's the, it's a, it's the fine line of being able to care enough and not caring so much that you're destroyed mm -hmm. after every single audition. It's yeah. really hard. Yeah. Um, but let's go back to your story because I think that the way that you cope with that struggle to me is so impressive. And the fact that, um, what we touched on a little bit before is so you, you're in rock of ages, another successful show, fun run, you start being creative and, uh, then you start doing lots of readings of new shows. You're creating new things, doing other people's work, but you also are like, I'm a musician and I want to start a band. How mm -hmm. did the skivvies come about? So, um, so yeah, so I Skivvies um, started in uh, 2012, and um, so Nick and I, as I mentioned before, mm -hmm. uh, he's the other Skivvy. I met him in 2003 doing the Theater Works tour, and we, on our you know down downtime from theater shows, we would put together a cabaret where it would be. Nick starring, or not starring, Nick with special guest Lauren Molina and, right. you know, Lauren Molina, special guest Nick Searley, and we would, you know, make music in our quirky way um, down at the duplex yeah. um, or the Lori Beachman, you yeah. know, yeah. and um, we didn't, uh, we didn't become the skivvies until one day in 2012 when we were hanging out and we were like, let's make a music or let's make a, put up a cover song on YouTube. That's what all the kids are doing these days. Yeah. And uh, so we, we decided to do Rihanna's We Found Love, and we made our quirky arrangement of it. Right. You know, taking, what we like to do is take overly produced pop songs and strip them down, mm. um, literally and figuratively. Right. But um, at that time, we were just like, let's just do it on ukulele, and that was a guitar. Um, but uh, So we set up the video camera, made the arrangement, and then I was trying to figure out what to wear for the video, and I was just walking around in my bra, and Nick said, oh, you should wear that. And I said, oh, we are stripping down the music. Maybe we could do a whole stripped-down series for YouTube and never really comment on it. And then Rob, my boyfriend, said, oh, you should call yourselves a skivvies, and we like that idea a lot. So we made a... A Skivvy's um, series of videos. I didn't know started. Rob came up with a name. I, I know. That. He's like, I get 29 cents per <laughs> year. <laughs> Jokes about that. Um, and, uh, yeah, he's he's good at naming things That's or great. coming up with puns. Uh, he's, very, he's very good at those things. Um, but uh, so we, our videos started to go viral, and then um, fans online said, when are you going to do your first live show? So... Um, we did our first live show at Joe's Pub in August of 2012 and invited a bunch of our Broadway friends to come join us as special guests. And um, it sold out. And you would not believe, I should also mention, for those who don't know, the Skivvies, um, not only do we strip down the music, but you know we perform in our underwear. Right. And it's really the oldest trick in the book where you take off your clothes and people notice you. But then if you have like great content to back it up... Right people are like, oh, wow, these are really great musicians. Yeah. 
um, one of my favorite things was on our very first video, uh, there was a comment that said, you guys are really talented. You don't need to take your clothes off. And right. we're like, you wouldn't have clicked on the video if yeah. you if we hadn't been sitting here in our right. underwear playing the ukulele. Right. Um, but uh, with the skivvies, we, we immediately discovered this sort of niche that hadn't been tapped into that was kind of like a non-dirty burlesque world that um, was created out of our, it's, you know, it's totally our brainchild yeah. that focuses on mashups and medleys and storytelling in a theatrical way um, that combines, you know, all different songs thematically um, or with, you know, chord progressions. And um, what we love about it is that we are in control. Yeah. That for the first time, I'm not waiting for somebody else to give me a job. Yeah. I am reaching out to a theater saying, hey, would you like to book the skivvies? And um, fortunately uh, for us, we had no idea that it would turn to this, but we have gotten so much publicity. Um, just, I think, people like a good picture to yeah. go along with the content. Sure. So, um, you know, we were suddenly getting calls from, you know, the New York Times and People Magazine and yeah. the Washington... Um, and was that all just them contacting you without like a publicist? No or publicist. Just hey. Yeah. What's this with the skivvies? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, what's the skiv? Yeah. This. What's this underwear band? Yeah. And um, you know, fortunately, you know, the Broadway shows gave me some clout and Nick as well. Right. And um, we were able to, you know, have legitimacy right. behind it that we weren't just some schlocky, you know, people who... No, and the way that you guys... You're, you're amazing musicians. The, the music that you're creating with, with everyone who comes and sings with you is phenomenal, you know, and you have Thanks. wonderful reviews. Everyone respects you as musicians. And I think you're right. It was tapping into something, this, this um, burlesque that isn't over-sexualized. It's just, it's kind of it's comedy like a pajama. and fun. Yeah. Pajama party is what I describe yeah. it as. And and so often, I mean, you have been a guest with I us. I did one, and so clearly it's not just about sex. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's all about just having fun and, you know, a freedom. A, a lot of performers have told us after performing with the Skivvies that they were so thankful to get this ex experience because, right. you know, so often we are boxed in to a certain type and yeah. look and sound and we are supposed to be this thing and... Um, and how performing with the skivvies is this letting loose of of all preconceived notions yeah. of what you're supposed to be or sound like or do. Or look like. Or, yep, or look like. And, you know, we have all shapes and sizes. It's not about having the hottest bod right. that looks like Nick Adams. Right. <laughs> it's nice to have Nick, it's but hey. totally great, Nick <laughs> Adams. You know I love you. Um, but, you know, just to... To, to really, you know, celebrate all, all different types of people. And right. um, and so we say skivvies is a state of mind. Hmm. It's, you know, it's not about... And, and for yeah. me, too, like, every every time, you know, I've gained some weight or, you know, I, like, you know, I'm a woman. I have cellulite on my butt. And, um, and you know, there are many, many days where I have to tell myself, well, I chose this life. So right. suck it up, and it's really okay. Just 
just be. Nobody is going to be judging you. You are your harshest critic. Right. And, because um, you look stunning in well, in a bra. Well, thank you. But <laughs> no, but I mean, there's days where I'm bloated or I wear a certain pair of underwear that cuts in in a certain way that gives me a little muffin top where I'm like, oh God, I wish I noticed that before these pictures came out and I have a roll on the side of my body. Lauren, but, I mean, I think everyone listening, I will speak for them, like we would never be content getting pictures of ourselves in our underwear. It's like the most brave thing ever. So for you to once in a while be like, Oh, that's not the most so, flattering um, picture right. of me. Well, okay. Right. And but I just have like, to be like, breathe. It's out on right. the internet. Who cares? Right. There could be worse things. Yeah. It's not a big deal. And that has given me, it has liberated me. And often, like people have told us too, like Kayla Settle, yeah. she performed with us. And I don't know uh, for our listeners, she's she's a big girl. She's yeah. got, a, you know, Really big boobs and big voice. huge voice. Yeah, yeah. In fact, the song that we did with her is um, we we sort of did a um, a quiet loud mashup. Mm. So she sang like all, uh, a quiet thing. Um, it's so oh, so quiet. Shh, shh, it's so oh, mm. so still. And uh, and then into I got it loud like all of these like loud songs. Perfect. Anyway, um, but she was terrified before performing with us and hmm. she like before the before the performance she yeah. was like I don't know if I can do this I can know I you know I feel so nervous I feel so self-conscious and we're like you should not be like please and I know that's a hard thing to to say to yeah somebody. you can't just, take it away for yeah for like they have to do you can't say just get over it mm-hmm. that's like telling a depressed person just get over it yeah no um it's like the worst thing you can say, but we were so encouraging and saying like, people will love you. You know, it's a safe place. Don't. And, uh, and if you watch for the first like three, four minutes, she's on stage, she's just talking about how terrified she is. And then once, once she sang and took off her robe and she was in this amazing bustier corset thing, it was the audience went nuts. And afterwards she said that she's never felt so free and wow. and and uh um liberated liberated yeah you. yeah no i mean it's it, it it was for me and i was in a a long white t-shirt with a woman's uh bikini body painted on it yeah. <laughs> remember yeah we did a lot of like being in the sun a lot of oh, right. me being pasty white jokes yeah. yeah i mean it's it it was such a great experience f- for me and i know that everybody who's gotten to work with you guys just loves it and that's why you have a lot of repeats of people who just come back again and again and and you know you've got an amazing thing going on you are in demand i think that what i want to talk with you about before we end is I, a lot of people see something like the skivvies or somebody's uh, creation and they think, oh, wow, they must have such a great business manager or agent or person behind the scenes who takes care of all of the work and they just show up to right, perform. Right. That is not necessarily the case. And I th- I wanted to know like what you have to do right. to, to do the work to get yourself up on that stage, even though it, it's wonderful to be able to be the one in charge and say, like, I'm going to call this theater and do it. It's still a lot of work. Oh, it's so much work. And in fact, we are looking for a new manager. Um, yeah. But 
We started off by working with our good friend, who is a literary agent, mm -hmm. um, and he basically just looked at the contracts for us and became our manager, but he didn't really go out and he wasn't proactive. Right. He was sort of reactive in a way like, oh, okay, this place wants you, I'll, I'll take care of the contract. Right. Um, and then we started freelancing with this other guy um, who's, who still gets us um, a few gigs, a handful of gigs a year. But um, for the most part, you know, we go out, we arrange photo shoots, mm -hmm. we um, reach out to theaters and, you know, cabaret spaces that we hear about, and it's exhausting. I mean, the amount of emails and, and work and preparation, we do everything. I mean, we're, we are arranging the music, we are asking, we are reaching out to special guests, you know, there's... Oftentimes, people reach out to us and say they want to perform, but right. for the most part, it's us asking, and we get rejected all the time from right. people too. Yeah. You know, it's yeah. not like or people people are busy or you know people like Cheyenne Jackson say like, oh well, I don't want to be known for taking my shirt off. Okay. <laughs> cool, right. cool, cool. Right. You know, so there's things like that, but um. But yeah, it's it's it isn't just like oh start your thing and then it'll just take off. Right. You there is I mean still four years into it I'm still sending emails and it it's a it's a daily grind. But thank God that I have this because yeah. I don't know I mean I'm sure I would have another thing if it, if it wasn't the skivvies. But um, I I would need something to keep me. Um, just active, creating, creating, yeah, and creating um, uh, between between theater gigs, if not during, but yeah. But and yeah. It, what has it been like to to have and also make money doing it? Sure, and you know yeah, that's, that's the helpful. other thing too is that like I had no idea that this was going to be a money making venture right. because you know you're if you're in a rock band you're not making money you're like right. you're lucky if you get like 20 bucks in tips at the end of the night. Right. So um, I I am aware of how special this is. And, um, you know, but if there are any managers out there listening. <laughs> I have a lot of managers agents. who tune in to Living the Dream oh, for great. Real Mally. Great, so great, 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 great. You're, you're set. <laughs> <laughs> well, what also, like, can you talk a little about your relationship with Nick and how that – you know, like you've been friends since 2003 and you've gone through this together. Sometimes it's it's so wonderful to be able to have a, a partner in crime of going yeah. through this creative experience. Has that been, you know? I don't know how I would do it with anyone else. Yeah. We are we call ourselves a 24-hour business. Mm -hmm. We are constantly coming up with new ideas, texting each other in the middle of the night with new mashup ideas right. or um, connections. And, you know, with both of us, you know, we constantly meet people and we're like, oh, what about bringing the skivvies to blah, blah, blah. Right. And um, so, and you would you would think that maybe after working with your best friend on a business venture that you would get annoyed with each other and sick of each other, but we haven't. It's been amazing. Yeah. He's really like a brother to me. Yeah. And um, we, we really are of the same mind and yeah. have psychic moments all the time yeah. where we've actually sent emails to people to the same person within the same minute for the same topic <laughs> like without 
talking to each other or planning it. And it's happened not it's happened like three or four times. Um just this past year, you know, and we're like we're so we're really on the same page when it comes yeah. to that. And and it's so exciting when you can find a soul a creative soulmate like that. I'm I feel it's huge. Yeah, I feel it's so huge. Lucky. It's like to be able to have that kind of a relationship with another artist, I think, is it's rare. And that's why I think it's just so special. I think it's part of why you guys have been so successful oh, and, and uh you're both you're both great people and I, I, I you know, as we're gonna end here, but I am so impressed with you always. Not just about what you your talent on stage and your talent in some ways, but you know, the kind of person you are and you know, I I appreciate you being like vulnerable and talking to me about like you know the hard parts of this business and oh, sure. the great parts. No, there's, I there's, mean, you can't talk about this business without talking about the hard parts. No, you know, it's we're not all Jennifer Lawrence and no. Emma Stone, and no, and they've got some uh, probably stories and things that they could tell us about. We don't care. Yeah, no. we don't care because you're Emma Stone and Jennifer Lawrence. Right. But, but there's a lot of people who are listening to Lauren and Rory who are like, well, we don't care about your problems. <laughs> you know? And, then, you know, that's part it's of funny. it. It's funny because the, the more famous and the richer you get, the more free stuff you're given. Right. I'm like, how does that make sense? I know, I know. <laughs> the more opportunities. I always the- say it's charity for the more fortunate. <laughs> yes. There's there it's it is strange how how that works, but um I'm really really glad we got to talk with you yeah, and so I think you. that you're you're awesome. I think and, you're awesome, and I'm so proud of you. And you know, with everything that's happened in the the last year, it's so exciting. The fact that you're going on the Hamilton tour. I know, I know. I can talk about it now. I've been like so. Okay. I've been yeah. I'm, I'm I'm so glad it worked out. It's going to be a lot of fun. Yeah. Um, but I'll be back in New York City many times. The best right. city in the world. The greatest city in the world. Greatest city in the world. <laughs> Bye, Lauren. Bye. Audition, side job, swimming upstream. Believe it or not, you're living the dream. Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E.org because only together we rise. Hi, y'all. This is Kristen Chenoweth. Hi, I'm Gloria Stefan. This is Sarah Bareilles. Hi, I'm Patty Lapone. This is Lynn Manuel Miranda. You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network.